0: So this practice, this afternoon, we um, get to turn our heart and mind towards joy. That's always a nice thing to do, have the opportunity to experience joy in our mind and heart, and whatever cultivates that or develops that for us. Um, Yesterday, I sat in on the afternoon uh, meditation where we went into our compassion practice. And compassion, as we know, is the, the, the love, the loving-kindness or the metta that is turned towards the suffering aspect, the suffering element in our life. And as we do the compassion practice, you know, we're, in, we're invited to bring in dire- very directly to confront and to feel and sense the suffering. And when I was doing that with you, I could feel—you know—that's not necessarily an easy thing to do. That, that I could feel—I could feel a certain kind of a, a heaviness, or the way that the the uh, making contact with the suffering can kind of pull, has a way of pulling pulling down, almost like da- uh, down heaviness. Uh, And this is why we practice equanimity. We haven't introduced uh, the equanimity practices yet, but they're so vital. Sometimes we think we should start with equanimity and then go to the next three because um, without the equanimity, it's easy to get pulled into the uh, near and the far enemies of these different um, expressions of love. And so I could feel that with the compassion practice, just how vital it is to feel some level of equanimity as we meet the suffering aspect. And what equanimity is, what it means is it's, uh, it's really, the, it's a radical acceptance of the way things are. And it's a, it's a state of mind and heart that is, is, has, is free of any reactivity, has no reaction, no reaction for or against anything, but can really completely open to the way things are, just as they are. It's very, very beautiful and powerful uh, parami or, uh, to develop, and so I could feel that with the compassion practice, just how vital it is as we as we turn towards the suffering to be able to stay steady in ourselves with that truth, with that reality, that there is suffering in this world. Because that does pull us down. It's, it's, there can be such a painful uh, aspect to that when we meet it. And as Sally said, it doesn't, it doesn't have to do that. Um, it is a, a beautiful thing when the heart can meet the suffering... But again, unless there is a certain amount of balance in the mind, it can really really pull us down. So that's the dukkha. It's the, the love, the loving element, the metta, uh, turned towards the, uh, the, the dukkha or the suffering element. There's another turning with the what's called mudita. Um, it's the turning towards the joyful aspect of life which is the sukha. So you have the dukkha and then you have the sukha. The sukha means happiness. Dukha means suffering or unsatisfactory. And so, so sometimes, you know, we, we talk about uh, this, this life as being one of 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows, and as we open to life and we open to experience as it is this is what we're opening to we're opening to all of that as the heart opens and feels more capacity to be able to meet life as it is this is what we meet but it's not all dukkha it's also sukha it's also happy and joyful and blissful and so sometimes the heart the heart goes out and meets that meets the joy. So we, we also want to cultivate that quality of being able to open our heart to joy because sometimes the, 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 the patterns or the tendency of mind might be to just go towards the pain, to go towards the suffering and miss, miss the joyful aspect. I know for myself, I, as I said in the talk the other night, my, I have a tendency, my mind has a tendency towards the aversion, towards, the, you know, pushing, towards rejecting or pushing away. And so I would also not only be pushing away the, the painful, and not wanting to experience it and reject it, but in, I would just shut my heart down, and therefore I'd be closing my heart to the joy as well. And as I started to open my heart more fully to the truth of the painful, pain, I was also opening my heart to the joy. So, so there was just this more and more uh, capacity in myself to be able to meet experience as it is, fully as it is, which is the equanimity. So, so we cultivate this as well. And we, we do this um, through this practice of mudita, which is translated as, uh, oftentimes it's translated as sympathetic joy, but I like empathetic joy a little bit better. Sympathy often has a little bit of a tone of pity or feeling sorry for, or... um, Empathy. Empathy has to do with more attunement, uh, the capacity to be able to feel what somebody else is feeling... Or have some sense of their experience. It's more empathic. And so, with Mudita, it's really this empathic joy that we have the potential to feel the happiness that someone else is feeling. we can we can attune to somebody else's happiness. so so when somebody has hap- is happy or is has success, or has good fortune in their lives, we can feel that happiness and rejoice in that happiness with them. So in the same way that we feel with in the suffering, Sally was saying compassion, with passion, we feel with, we feel with in the same way with the joy. We feel the joy. And what's so lovely about the mudita is as our heart opens to other people's happiness and joy, we feel more happy, <laughs> and that happiness get, continues to circulate as more happiness. So it's actually, uh, mudita is a conduit to more and more happiness. We really, it's really when we're, we're, we're so happy. That somebody is having good fortune. That we 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 root for them. We want them to have more happiness. And when I sometimes when I tune into the feeling, it's it's oftentimes what you see in a good good movie, you know. And why we why some movies just feel really good because. Some p- some stories are just about you know people just having really good fortune who are coming from a difficult place in their life and then they start to have more and more good fortune and we like happy endings and 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 we feel really good when somebody uh, when somebody's fortune turns around and they experience more of a good good fortune and success in their life. And so we're, we're wanting to cultivate this as, as a practice so that when our, our heart is open, there's just a natural response to, to join with, to, to feel happy with that person in, in their successes. Mudita is often translated too as um, to be pleased or to have a sense of gladness. You know, where the heart is, is resonating in that way. And, and in that, then we become aware in our, in our relationships and our friends and people around us of what actually does make them happy. We notice more and more what makes somebody happy. And, and I can see how this leads to a generosity, which is also joy, a joyful practice, generosity, because we want to do things and act in ways, or offer gifts, give things to people that are going to make them happy, because it makes us happy. When we do that, it makes them happy. It's like, it's happy in the beginning, happy in the middle, happy in the end. You know, why not engage in that kind of act, uh, behavior? and so as we notice that more and more it can lead to um, oh yeah i'm going to i'm going to get that gift for this person because that's re- they're really going to like that you know or i'll remember them on their birthday because birthdays are really important to this person or you know oh i saw this um you know i saw this um uh candle (laughs) and this person would love that scent of this candle or something. You know, we start to we start to know more and more what's going to make somebody happy and we follow that. And yet it's said that mudita is one of the hardest um, qualities to develop because the tendency of mind is to fall into uh, envy, jealousy and comparing It goes more into uh, what we call um, a quantified view of reality, where there's only so much to go around, whatever it is. There's only so much money. There's so much success. There's so many possessions. There's so much good fortune. And if they've got it, then I'm not going to get it, right? They're getting all the success. And what about me? What happened to me? And it's a kind of a distorted view of things because that's not actually how things are. You know, the sense of abundance and good fortune really is available to everyone. It's just that certain conditions come about in our world that inhibit that kind of good fortune and abundance for all beings everywhere. And so so we want to notice how our minds slip into this kind of well, that's not fair. Well, why are they getting it and not me? And and boy, they seem to have. I mean, even somebody today said, well, you know, they seem to have the teachers and the sanghas and all the good experiences. And what about me? You know, it's like, where am I going to get that? You know, when am I going to feel my uh, heart open? It seems like everybody else is feeling their hearts open. You know, and just but yet, this person was aware of that. The mind slipping into a kind of comparison. So, so we, that's actually the f- called the far enemy of buddhita is when the mind goes into these more contracted states of envy and jealousy, uh, judging, uh, comparing, competition. You know, they have it, but I don't have it. Which really is a turning where, where, the, where rather than the heart going out and joining the other, it's all, it, then it just becomes about me again. What's in it for me? What am I going to get? What about me? You know, it's this. that's what happens when the heart starts to close. It closes because we get um, uh, caught up in our own self, uh, kind of self-ideation. And the separation arises. I, for myself, I, I often, I see this happening sometimes in my own mind because as a, as a person, a Dharma practitioner, and... Um, uh, someone who's taken the Dharma very seriously in my life, I often, I also have make an, made a lot of choices in my life where I live a fairly simple life. And I don't have a lot of things that other people have. And um, I, but yet I'll, sometimes I'll see, you know, somebody's big house or, you know, their fancy car or, you know, that they're going off on this holiday or that holiday. And it's like, what about me? <laughs> <You know? laughs> what about me? How come they get that and I don't, you know, or they're making lots of money. But, you know, it's so interesting because I'm actually making this choice. You know, it's a conscious choice to live a simple life, a more renunci- a renunciate life. But yet it's so interesting to, to watch the mind go into different kinds of comparing of course, it doesn't help to live in one of the most um, expensive ca- places in the entire world, you know. <laughs> where There's quite, quite a lot of um, abundance in this, in this particular county that we live in. But, but that's what we're talking about, material, right? And then there's what we call the spiritual, the spiritual abundance or the spiritual riches. And, you know, it's where we just have to keep reflecting on these kinds of things. And because the mind will just get so um, caught in its, in its dualistic way of seeing things. The near enemy, what disguises itself as Mudita, is um, because this happiness feels so good... And even being happy for somebody else's happiness, it, it's such a wonderful feeling that we can get a bit attached to the feeling and want more of it. And, and, and it, one of the ways of talking about it is the near enemy is over exuberance, you know, or over excitement, where we get really excited about the happiness. And, and it gets off balance, we lose our equanimity, we, lose, we lose, lose our ground. It's like, I just want more of this happiness, oh, this happiness is so great. You know, and I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and you can just, it's almost like um, a high. You, you're, you're almost using that, that, the, the experience, the happy experience to get more high. You get a little bit addicted from it, which then, you know, gives, we, it leads to more attachment. And so that's what's called the, the near enemy. Um, and so we, so again, bringing the, at the equanimity into the, the joy so we don't get kind of carried away with it. But we can also see how we can use other people's happiness to get happy in the way that if they're not happy, then we can be kind of disappointed or upset it's like what's wrong with you that you're not happy because if you're not happy I can't be happy and um, I need you to be happy for me to be happy Um, it's another way of talking about codependence (laughs) And, and so we're not able to again stay steady and equanimous with our own experience where we are and sometimes we can see this with our close ones, our loved ones People who are struggling or having a hard time. It's like, I, I, can't, I need you to get your life together. I need you to get things together because I'm getting pulled down. I'm getting pulled down by what's happening for you. And so I'm losing my ground. And so that's another way the attachment takes shape, where we can't, we're not, we're, we lose the source of our own sukha, we lose the source of our own open heart. As the hearts open, we just join, we join, when there's suffering, we join with suffering, when we're, people are happy, we join with the happiness, but we don't lose that steadiness. We don't lose a sense of ourselves. So in this practice, we, we, it's one practice where it's, it's, encur- it's usually encouraged to uh, do this for others. We don't necessarily do it for ourselves. Um, it's like, yes, we, I mean, we can feel happy for our, own hap- for our own happiness and our own good fortune, certainly. But the practice itself is one of extending it out to others. It's more when you recognize somebody else else's happiness and you're, you join them in that. So it's really uh, about developing the capacity to rejoice. The capacity to rejoice in other people's good fortune. So, um, so we're going to do a little practice now. And the sequence here is that we begin um, with a, with a, a friend. Um, we, we begin with somebody who it's easiest to rejoice for. And it'll be interesting to do it because as you bring in your friends or a friend, you might go, oh yeah, but they've got this and they've got that and what about me? And, <laughs> and you, you'll get to see right there if there's some um, way that you start to lose your ground and your heart starts to close around your, your uh, capacity to be happy for them. So we f- we begin with a friend, and we begin focusing on particular or specific um, things that are sources of joy for them in their life. And we are we're actually reflecting in the beginning and in imagining these things, sometimes very specific. Uh, what what brings them joy? And then and then as you bring that in, you can just you start to say the phrases for them. And there's a couple of basic phrases. Um, One is, um, May your happiness and good fortune never leave you. May your happiness and good fortune never leave you. May they never wane. May your happiness and good fortune continue. So you're just really encouraging that continuity of that joy for them. May your happiness and good fortune never leave you. May it never wane. So we pretty much stay with that and you're kind of holding them and uh, imagining or visualizing them feeling happy about these particular sources of joy in their life. One of my uh, close relatives uh, loved, loved soccer, loved soccer, and so, when I was doing mudita for this person, I would just think of this person watching the soccer game and loving soccer, and just feeling so happy that he was so happy doing that. So it can be just like that—something very simple, reflecting on what what makes them happy. You just ask that question: What makes them happy? And then we'll do that for a little bit. Then we go to the benefactor for just a little bit. And then we'll go to the neutral person. Um, might not know too much about the neutral person. What makes them happy? Maybe, we don't, maybe it's not so easy yet to do the neutral person. You know, I have that written down. But now that I think about it, <laughs> if it's a stranger and you don't know so much about that person, maybe it's a little difficult um, unless you just imagine that, that there is happiness in that person's life and um, you feel happy that they have happiness. Well, maybe we'll, we'll reflect on that a little more. And then I'm going to do one more, uh, one more turning, where we're actually going to bring in um, the suffering person again. There's a lovely practice you can do with that, where you again feel and sense this person's suffering but then you reflect on some little happiness in their life, something that brings them happiness, and then feel the mudita for that. And it's a lovely way of just watching, noticing how the heart can just turn from the dukkha to the sukha. And so, so we'll do that just right at the end. So let's begin by... Getting into a comfortable posture. Taking a couple of breaths and settling into your body. It can help to really feel a sense of your body here as a way to ground. And as you ground, it's it's more possible to feel the equanimity in the body, in the mind. Feeling the steadiness, the groundedness. when you feel ready, bringing in the friend. And for this practice, if you wanna bring in a, a different friend, somebody who would you feel you want to rejoice with during this meditation, please do that. Someone who will help you connect with the mudita. It's okay to audition a few people. Getting a feeling for this person. And as you bring them to mind, begin um, reflecting on their good fortune, the things that make them happy And taking just a few minutes with that. Notice what happens in your heart as you do that. And when you feel ready, drop in the phrase or the phrases for the mudita. May your happiness and good fortune never leave you. May it continue and never wane. May your happiness and good fortune never leave you. May it continue and never wane. Anytime your mind slips away, just coming back again and again to the practice. Let yourself feel their happiness as your own happiness. You could even say, I'm happy that you're happy. Take another minute. May your happiness and good fortune never leave you. May it continue and never wane. And when you feel ready, bring in the benefactor. (coughs) Again, taking a few moments to reflect on what makes this person happy or the good fortune and success in their life. Sometimes just breathing in the happiness or the joy you feel for this person's happiness. Letting that happiness increase, expand. May your happiness and good fortune never leave you May it continue and never wane. You might just have the image of this person enjoying the different things that make them happy. Just allow that image, let it expand. Let your heart be touched. Take another minute. I'd like to invite you, if you would like, to bring in the person in your compassion practice who is the suffering person. I'd like to ask you if you can find some little happiness in their situation or in their life, some opening for change. So rather than seeing the picture as a bleak one, See if there's something that you can rejoice for this person. What makes them happy? Where is their happiness? Reflecting on that. And when you connect with the happiness, drop in the phrase, may your happiness and good fortune never leave you. May it continue and never wane. I'm happy that you're happy. Take another minute. for this last minute or two of the meditation, just let the words and the images drop. Breathing, breathing into your heart. Just notice what's here. Notice the quality of your experience. Just as it is. See if you can bring a kind awareness just right where you are. So, once again, if anybody would like to stay for 10 minutes or so, we could take some time for some comments about your experience. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.